0: Welcome to Small Town Sports Talk. I'm Jonah Freeman, and today is going to be a little bit of a different episode. Andrew could not join us. So instead, Brendan Clean of the Bright Side of the Sun and Forbes is here to talk suns with me. I'm pretty excited about this. I'm a big Suns fan and I know Brendan is too. So first of all, Brendan, how are you? I'm
1: doing well. I'm excited for basketball to be back. Excited to get to have the Suns involved. That was that was not a given when all this was getting finalized. so uh, it should be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in.
0: Awesome, and I want, I want to go right into a topic that's on a lot of Suns fans' mind, and that's Kelly Ubre. That he was ruled out a little bit ago, and then now it seems like Monty and the, the front office is not going to rule him out. And we know we've seen him practice a little bit. So, what are your thoughts on Ubre? You think he plays, or is he just going to sit tight on this one?
1: My guess would be that he's you know just because of how quick this whole thing is going to be and and just you know the the fact that he seemed his priority seems to be playing it as patiently as possible right so I think him coming to Orlando after all is obviously a good sign Um, in terms of the fact that his health his recovery from that torn meniscus that he suffered back in I, I believe February is at a point where he can at least, you know, move around, get on a plane, get on the court a little bit. It's not uh, a big setback that he suffered, but at the same time, I think maybe even the bigger positive after seeing him travel over there is that the relationship side of this thing is not too much of a problem because my, my the red flag went up for me uh, right away when there was some confusion early on in this whole planning process between himself and, uh, the, the ownership, especially, but even James Jones, the general manager who indicated that he would be playing kind of without a doubt. And he, he had been hesitant to commit to that. Right. So, uh, obviously then it comes out that he's at the very least going to not be on this team to start off with. And, so the fact that he did ultimately travel over there, I think that's still a good sign. I think the same could be said for a couple teams around the league, Victor Oladipo, Bradley Beal, some of the other guys that for injury reasons are are refraining from participating right now. Just to see them go, I, I think that shows you, even if things aren't perfect, that they're not just completely on the outs, right? So I think that's that's the positive here. As for if he plays by the end of this thing, uh we'll we'll get into how long I think the Suns are actually going to be participating but like I said I just think it's so so quick that you know even even from a ro- rotation standpoint and a continuity standpoint if you want these eight regular season games to be about as competitive and and normal as they possibly can be uh throwing a wrench in there with a guy coming back from injury just seems like a long shot to me.
0: Right. So let's say Kelly is out. You know, what's the lineup you'd like to see? I've seen a lot of people, they like the multiple wings look with Mikael and Cam. And I've seen a lot of people, they just want the traditional power forward with Mikhail playing that forward spot and then Dario coming in at power forward. Do you have a preference there?
1: Yeah, I think they're better when they play small, at least with the roster they have now. So, you know, obviously Cam Johnson's a different type of player than Kelly Oubre was. So you're, you're not going to have the same exact type of look. But that lineup with, with Bridges and Ubre at the four, at the three and four was, I mean, you could make the case. It was one of the best, uh, best in the league for a while there, you know? Uh, and I right. think that, I think that's more to do with just how they play the things that they're able to do defensively, the things that the way the, the floor can just open up on offense. Uh, I think it, I think this, that type of a situation, you're getting a little bit more of an aggressive, um, Mikael Bridges, because I think you're you're creating turnovers, or getting up and down the floor, you're moving the ball around. That suits him a little better. That's what we saw him do at Villanova. Uh so I think I think that's how they're best. I think that's how DeAndre Ayton is is best too. So I think that's what they should do. It's a matter of if if Cam is ready, he was struggling with mono when when the season was paused. So, you know, he's been out for even longer than most of these guys, and he is still just a rookie. Uh so if he's ready, if they trust him to handle minutes a night I think that's where you go but obviously we've seen like Dario Sharich is perfectly capable as a spot starter like he knows this system he fits into it well he had a pretty good playmaking year Uh, he's a flexible piece so uh, I think I think they'll I think they'll close games small no matter what as for where they start I think it's just going to kind of hinge on where they are with Cam.
0: Right. So looking at the schedule, you know, you have the Wizards, the Mavericks twice, Clippers, Pacers, Heat, Thunder, and Sixers. Which one of those matchups, or I guess, do you have a couple matchups that you're really looking forward to? Or are you just kind of taking it game by game, hoping we can scratch out some wins?
1: It's those Mavericks games to me. Uh, you know, The fact yeah. that they get to do it twice, the fact that, you know, they, that they have such a history with this team already. You go back, obviously, to the draft with, with Luka Doncic and... And DeAndre Ayton, you even go to opening night that same season in 2018 when they go head-to-head and both guys have pretty good games. Um, and then even recently, the one of the last games, the last big Suns wins prior to the shutdown, I think late February, uh, DeAndre Ayton, one of his best games goes for 30-10 and 10 and the Suns beat the Mavs. Um, That to me, you know, was a a really big breakthrough for this team for the small ball identity that they were putting together. Everybody was healthy for that one, which was rare uh, for this team this season. And obviously, it's it's always going to feel nice for Suns fans to to beat the Mavs after the draft played out the way that it did. So, getting two of those is going to be really exciting. And I hope you know, I hope they can just for entertainment's sake that they can win one of these at least uh, against Dallas.
0: Um, you know, you don't want to root for injury, but for Sun, for these Suns, you know, it's big that Beal is not playing because now you're looking at a Wizards team that is really beaten up. Without Beal, some are saying, why are they there? So that's a good opportunity for the Suns to start out going 1-0. And then like you just mentioned, then they play the Mavericks. So if they can steal one early, get two games, you know, that could start to put some pressure on some of the teams just above them. And I'm just with you. I'm excited about the Mavericks. You know, we've had this rivalry now of Luka and DeAndre. I'm really excited for that. So, at what point during this stretch do you think, like, would it have to take for Phoenix to switch from going all in for the playoffs and then maybe looking at it as more of a learning experience?
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I've I've kind of been on the side of thinking um, that they're gonna be thinking about this more as a not a learning experience, like let's play all the young guys, you know, thirty minutes a night, but a learning experience in in the way that I've been talking about it and I was, I was excited kind of to hear that Monty Williams had been discussing it similarly, which is like, we get, you know, they get an opportunity to play these games, not only the eight regular season games, but they're in, they're in Orlando practicing right now, which is more than the other eight teams that aren't in there can say. And you get these three scrimmages, which Monty has really been kind of hyping up as far as just, you know, more basketball. So, you know that's 11 games plus um you know few weeks of practices that's going to just be so valuable so to me you know i'm it's it's such a long shot for the suns to make the playoffs in this situation i've i've kind of been on the side of them having to go 8 and 0 maybe 7 and 1 and a lot of other stuff still going in their favor they're just so far down the standings right now so right. so i would be thinking about it from from day 1 as a learning experience but you know the the fortunate part for this team is like it's not as if that really means much of a change as far as who's on the court right you, a learning experience you still have a, a franchise center who's barely played 100 games in his career so a learning experience could be 35 minutes for deandre ayton and that's also your best path to winning so i think they can for do it. both at once they can have they can kind of mix and match things a little bit get creative Use this as some chemistry building time and and a way to try new things. Get some guys on the court together that maybe haven't been. And uh, they they've talked about trying to play even faster. I think that's exciting. So they can do both, and and I think that's what they will do. Monty's never gonna kind of admit defeat in that way and say, okay, pack it up. This is it. <laughs> you know, Ty Jerome, you're our starting point guard. Ricky Rubio, you're shut down. I don't think we'll see anything like that. It's just not how Monty operates. Not how he wants this team to hold itself, but. I do think we'll see kind of a balancing act there where young guys getting plenty of, of time while also kind of holding to their standards and their and their system and trying to build for the future in that way.
0: Right, so I want to look at more of the bubble aspect of it. You know, there there's several lounges where you have 2K, you have the obvious gigantic swimming pools at some of these Disney resorts, you have ping pong, and recently we've seen guys like Chris Paul uh, participating in the cornhole. So I got to ask you, if you could pick one Suns teammate to be your teammate in a cornhole tournament who would you go with and why
1: Ooh, i feel like it's gonna be let me let me think because i don't want to give an obvious answer um <laughs> i feel like you have to have a shooter right? You, right, got, right you would have to go booker or maybe cam
0: i was thinking cam yeah yeah i
1: feel i my instinct was booker which is why i wanted to i wanted to do something a little bit more interesting but it's also like I feel like he's the most competitive dude on this team too. So not only right. do you have the hand-eye coordination from him, but you have like he's going to get way 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 too into it because he doesn't know other <laughs> any other way. Right. I don't yeah, know. I I feel, fe- I, g- I feel like I would have to go with Booker even though he's kind of the obvious one.
0: Right. And then this is a this is a topic that we've seen a lot on social media. A lot of people have different takes on it. So I want to ask you um this year's champion, do you feel there should be an asterisk next to their name or do you feel it's almost more impressive to win a championship in this time.
1: It's interesting, yeah, because, you know, I think there's, I've I've seen, I don't, I wish I could kind of give the credit to who I saw put it this way first, but uh, as this has been talked about, I, I kind of lean toward the side of what I've seen some people point to, which is it's going to have to be, to, you know, what wh- how we see it is going to kind of be in the the weeds of what ends up happening. Like if this is a year mm. where this thing kind of does go off without much of a hitch. I mean, already we have the Lakers without Avery Bradley. That's, that's not nothing, but you know, guys get injured in the regular course of the season. Anyway, it's not, it's not too much of a big deal. If, if this thing can go off without any major players getting the virus or guys getting injured because they jump back into, into playing shape too quickly, any, anything like that, if, if everything goes pretty normally on the court, I do think we'll probably look back on it as maybe even more of an accomplishment of like they went into this bizarre situation for three entire months and still kind of held it together in in their territory. They, you know, they defended it, whatever you want to call it. Like that's, that is a massive accomplishment that obviously nobody in the NBA, in NBA history has ever done because we've never been in this situation before. Um, But if something goes major, if something really goes wrong, you know, we get a, a superstar player out for an extended time or anything like that, then I think it's gonna be inevitable that people kinda try to <laughs> try to to decrease the value of this one in a way that <clears throat> it is it is familiar. I mean, we do that with injuries already, we do that with weird seasons already. So, you know, I think that stuff kinda gets lost to time anyway. It's like the ninety nine the 99 finals is the one that Phil Jackson invented that asterisk concept for. And it's like, nobody says, oh, the Spurs actually have four titles. 99 doesn't count. We don't really think of it that way. So I don't think we'll, I don't think it'll be too much of a thing, but it will be interesting to see in the next few years, kind of how we look back on this one.
0: Yeah. So this year's champion, then who do you got? Because I've been, I've been saying Clippers the whole year. And I think you mentioned it, Bradley cannot play for the Lakers. And we saw last night now that Rondo's looking to be out six to eight weeks with a hand injury. So I think I'm going to stick with the Clippers. But do you have a – who's your favorite for the championship this year?
1: Yeah, I I haven't – I guess I haven't really reconsidered since I initially picked back all the way back in October, which almost a year ago now. But I think I had Sixers-Clippers back then. As mm-hmm. as my finals, I'm you know I'm obviously not as optimistic about the Sixers side of that just because of how far they've fallen in the standings. I think they still have the chance to to be a pretty good team in the playoffs, but it's going to be an uphill battle for them. Um, I I just felt like in March when this thing shut down that it would it would be really really difficult for the Lakers to to not be the favorites. Um, yeah, they were just playing so well. They had a they had just such a they had an identity that. I think most it's just hard for most teams to find the, the physical way they played, the way that they were able to just completely control the pace. Uh, their role players were were sliding into their role better than I ever could have guessed, like Alex Caruso, guys like that who were really afterthoughts, and, and they're contributing. So they have some new pieces to slot in, which is part of why I'm a little bit kind of hesitant on them. You know, can Dion Waiters really contribute? Can J.R. Smith really contribute? Um, that'll be, that'll be interesting where, you know, are we getting the same Dwight we got, which was like one of the best rotation big men in the league, or are we getting the Dwight we've kind of always got, uh, because of his, he's obviously kind of gone back and forth on playing in this thing. And I can see just the psychological toll of that. And know, is he going to be the same type of player? So obviously LeBron and AD, you got those two guys. It's It's going to be a, a pretty, solid strength to build on but i do think this you know every team at the top here has a couple superstars so it is going to be some of those role pieces who can rediscover their identity the quickest and all that stuff so yeah i mean i think this is going to be a year where the where the top teams stay at the top so i think we're going to see another you know another month or two just really focused on the two la teams the bucks maybe the sixers and it's kind of, the, it's kind of that, that top four or five for me. I don't really expect any surprise teams this, this time around.
0: Right. So I want to switch it back to the Suns a little bit. And Mikhail Bridges has been one of my favorites since he got to Phoenix. I'm extremely happy we traded for him in the draft. Um, speaking of the draft, he had comparisons to guys like Trevor Reza. I've seen Otto Porter a couple of times, Robert Covington. Uh, I want to know your thoughts about those comparisons. And where do you view Mikael as a player now? Like, Do you have an updated player comparison for him?
1: That's interesting as far as far as a, as a comparison goes, yeah, I've always liked, um, I think you said Trevor Reza just now. yeah, I, I, I've liked Shane Battier as, as sort of a possibility there, although I think the way we've seen Mikhail play his last season at Villanova and then his first two years in Phoenix, he's a little bit um, a little bit more of a playmaker, which is kind of cool than somebody, a typical three in DEI. So yeah, you know, and Ariza has kind of played that way over time. I'm not always great with, with comps, especially because I just, I feel like with Bridges, he, he is so unique. Um, Not only just his physical characteristics, um, just the length that he has, the way he's, since he stepped foot on an NBA court, known how to use his physical gifts. Like it's one thing to be an athlete in that way and, and be, Long and and you know have the big hands and the um, mobility that he has. It's it's another to to be able to turn that into steals, to turn that into uh, transition finishes, and the way that he's already impacted the game. So I agree. I'm I'm really high on him as a player. He's one of the best dudes on the team as well. One of the best guys to talk to on that team. Uh, already, I think one of the things I was really excited to to cover and and watch and and just focus on when they were going through that stretch in February and March, where they were hanging onto the playoff picture and just some of the big upset wins that they had, whether it was Milwaukee or Dallas or Houston, um, was him stepping into a leadership type of role. And, you know, I think his relationship with DeAndre Ayton, especially, I think he, he just doesn't, he sees what, what Ayton can be, um, And I think he has a a relationship with DeAndre in a way that I feel like if DeAndre is going to get to the peak, it's really going to have to do a lot with, you know, Mikhail helping to get that out of him. I think those guys have that bond where, you know, DeAndre slips up, isn't focused, whatever. I I really feel like Mikhail's kind of become the guy on that roster who can just take him aside, give him a look, whatever it is, and say, come on, like, we know what this is. We know how you, how good you can be. We know what we need to do to get there. Let's let's make it happen. So to see him not only come into his own on the court, but as a as a leader in that locker room is just it's it's really cool. It's really exciting, and um, I think it just says a lot about the, like you said all the way back in 2018. It's it's proving proving them right with the decision they made on draft night to give up so much to go get him, and and he's already kind of showing that was a smart smart thing to do.
0: Right. I think the thing that really stands out with Bridges to me is the fact that he has always been able to take what he's given and work with it. Like the beginning of this year, his minutes were not as high, obviously, as they are now. And he's always been that way. I remember watching the championship game against uh, Michigan a couple of years back and in the beginning of that game. He struggled. And then he realized, you know, hey, the defense is going to give me some of this stuff. And he stepped up and what, 22 points, I think, maybe and he turned that game into a really good game. And he's continued to do that through his NBA career so far. So, I mean, again, I'm extremely happy to have him in Phoenix, and I agree 100% with your point of, you know, Ayton's development is going to kind of pend on some of these guys, and I think these are some of the right guys to have around Ayton in this situation. Yeah,
1: I I agree. I I think as far as him kind of taking what's given, I would almost argue that he he goes too far in that direction sometimes. You know, I think he's a guy who really can struggle uh, as far as just demanding the ball, getting – his shots up i don't think that's natural to him i think he's he's just so used to sliding into that swiss army knife type of role whatever the team needs and because he is so skilled at so many things it's it's not really a challenge like he can he can shoot eight threes in a game if he's open and and he want that that celtics game in i think january is a great example of that i think he made five or six of of threes in one game and there's other nights where he's just going to really lock in on defense and you don't even notice him on offense. So I think he, he needs to, to get to a situation where he knows what's expected of him. He knows what his role is. He knows what situations are for him to score versus other guys. And that's kind of back to what I was saying as far as what this Orlando situation can be for this team. It's just more reps of finding who they are with how many injuries they struggled with and all that. I think Bridges is a great example, but a lot of the guys on this team, I think they just need that consistency of what am I to this team and what are we as a team and, and building that out. And I think this this month or two will be huge.
0: Right. So you just mentioned it. You know, what are the Suns as a team? And this offseason could be another really big offseason in the development of putting players around Booker. So I got to ask you, do you have maybe a top three or a top five list of free agents that you really like and you'd like to see in Phoenix?
1: Uh, Yeah, maybe not ranked. I would definitely say um, non-free agency, but Aaron Gordon, uh, a guy in Orlando who I just have always felt really would fit on this roster, especially since Monty Williams took over. You know, I think Monty's kind of instinct was to, to go after Adario Saric type of player uh, playmaking four. I think that's why they went and got Frank Kaminsky as well they they like kind of the size at that four spot they like players who can pass and, and shoot a little bit that that skill at that spot but I think what they really lacked on this roster this season was athleticism and it goes back to our conversation about the small ball look it's doubling down on that I think would be the smartest thing to do if you're the Suns and and that's just because that's what worked and I think you learned a lot about your your team playing that way Ayton and uh Bridges especially and obviously Uber, but he was pretty he's pretty good no matter how they played this year but Gordon fits into that perfectly for me um so I think he's a guy that Orlando has a little bit of a log jam at that front court spot so he could be somebody that's that's movable his salary's really reasonable of course, pretty it overlaps pretty well with with how much Kelly Oubre makes. So that that's a conversation that you can maybe have it a, a different day, but um, that's definitely somebody on my on my radar. I would say the other one, a little bit of a curveball, just is because of the presence of Ricky Rubio here. But I think it would be silly to not take a long look at Fred VanVleet. I think yeah. he's. I think he's just so good that it doesn't really matter if he makes perfect sense on your roster right away. You you explore the option. Um, he's he's just about as perfect a, a backcourt partner for Booker as I can think of. Just competes so so hard defensively and has turned into just an incredible shooter, smart playmaker. Rarely turns the ball over. I think anyone that's played on that Toronto team is just going to be one of the smarter basketball players in the league. So taking advantage of getting a guy from that group onto your team is, is always something teams should be looking at across the league. So uh, he's another one as far as free agents go. I mean, I think the the names are going to be pretty similar for most, I would say Jeremy Grant is somebody I would be pretty excited about pretty similar to to Aaron Gordon in a lot of ways, just that athleticism combined with enough shooting and, scoring to to keep the defense honest. Um and then I think of the veteran group, you know, you got Paul Millsap, guys like that. I would say Sergio Baca to me is probably the guy I would be leaning toward again. The the Raptors thing is I'm just I have all the respect in the world for that for that roster, what they were able to do last year and especially maybe even this year without Kawhi and without Danny Green. Yeah. Um they're just the institutional knowledge there. They're just such a smart team and I think Ibaka has kind of settled into a role. You in, the, in in Oklahoma City was a guy who you know, was kind of going back and forth between the four and the five. The game was kind of changing around him where it was asking him to shoot threes when he wasn't really ready to be doing that. I think in Toronto, he settled in as pretty much a full-time center who can slide up to the four in a pinch rather than vice versa and comfortable, more comfortable shooting than he had been. Just doesn't try to do too much. Uh, I think he'd be a nice, whether it's like a high minutes, like third big man, if the Suns start next season with their small ball type of look, and he's just a backup at the four and the five. Maybe he's a starter at the four with Aiton, uh and kind of serves doubly as his backup also. Something like that. Th- those are probably the three names I would have. I guess Grant too, so that's four.
0: All right. And then let's uh, flip over to the draft a little bit. Same type question. Do you have a couple of prospects that you really have your eye on and you'd love to see in Phoenix? I,
1: I, I think that they're going to be able to get a good player is where I would start. Yeah, You know, I think this, I think this draft is already such a, has such a bad rap. And I think that's kind of, the reputation precedes it in a negative way. I I don't think it's, I don't think it's a terrible draft. I just think if you're drafting first, second, third, you're going to be really disappointed. There's just not a clear cut superstar. There's not even really a clear cut all-star, but I think it it usually is this way in drafts, which is you can get rotation players five to 15 and beyond. So I think that's true this year. I think that's true this year too. So uh, I would say Killian Hayes is a guy that I really like at the guard spot. The The French guard has been playing in the German league this year. Um, right. Pretty yep. young, raw prospect. I would say... Um, I had another guy in the back of my head that, that slipped my mind. Um, I, I like Grant Riller as another guard option. He's from Charleston. Pretty pretty awesome scorer. Not, not a very hyped guy because he did go to a mid-major. But he can just score. I mean, he can shoot. He can get to the basket he can finish he's quick he has a great handle um so he'd be another guy probably would be a little bit of a reach in the lottery but we know um you know nothing's set in stone yet so we'll see where they end up drafting uh i kind of like all the the forward options to be honest with you i don't love them all for the Suns specifically i would say patrick williams to me from florida state is a guy who kind of along the lines of the aaron gordon jeremy grant type of mold fits the identity that I think this team is best at more so than like an Obi Toppin or uh, a Denny Abdizha. So that's kind of where I am. I would lean more toward the athletic guys, but we know James Jones tends not to do that. So we'll see, we'll see where he lines up, but yeah, I, I kind of like the, the athletic side for some of the forward guys. And then on the guard spot, the scoring shooting type of options.
0: I think for me personally, um, and it's not that I have anything against the Fords in this draft, but I'm really looking forward to possibly bringing in a young, talented guard to work under Rubio for a year. And someone like, I don't know if we're going to have the opportunity to be that high, but someone like LaMelo Ball, I feel like is a perfect guy next to Booker. And if you give him a year to play under a guy like Rubio, I feel like that is a huge developmental way to make the Suns a way better team. And I'm excited about the guard options in this draft. So, we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think Lamelo is a guy who I can't, I just can't wrap my mind around James Jones and Monty Williams having the the patience there. But right, I agree with right, you. Right. I mean, he's 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 number one on my board in this draft. I think he's the guy. When you do try to say who's the most likely to be a star in this league in this draft, I think it has to be Ball for me. So. I'm I'm right there with you. I just find it hard knowing the priorities that Jones and, and Williams have for this group and the types of players, at least for one off season that they targeted. Lamella is just not really similar to those guys. He's obviously right. much more erratic. Decision making is going to be some work. Defense is going to be. Uh, I guess that I guess that part does fit into <laughs> some of the yeah. other Suns acquisitions, the the defense part. But yeah, I think he'd be awesome. I think he'd fit well. I think he. His size and his shooting ability are are what I would be wanting to look for next to Booker. Um, the defense, obviously, is a question mark, but I'm right there with you. I, I don't think they should be thinking about
0: Rubio or Ty Jerome as their, long time, as their
1: long-term point guard by any
0: means. Right. And then the last thing I got for you, um, the Suns were on pace. They had a chance to possibly get to a 15-game improvement from last year. So looking at the Suns from the outside, all the moves we've talked about possibly making, what is a good improvement mark that you would like to see the Suns hit in the next coming year?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I think what some of the individual guys look like in Orlando is going to be big for that. Um, right. It's a challenge to stay to stay in shape and, and keep, if you even can, to actually use this time to improve. Uh, if, if that was, you know, Cam Johnson was somebody that Monty Williams said gained some muscle. So if we can see some stuff like that, where guys were able to actually work on their body and their game, that would, that would change things for me. Obviously we don't know who they're going to acquire in the off season, but I would say, you know, looking at this group and how much I would say that this group should improve if they don't make any huge changes to the roster. Um, you know, I think they should be where they were this year. They should be competing for a playoff spot. They should, they should have their sites on the eight seed. They should have their sites on 500 or above. Um, whether, whether I know that's not really close to what their record was this year, that would be another, you know, double digit game improvement based on where they were expected to finish the end of this season. But to me, it's like, you know, the, the the growth should be exponential when you have a young team. You should be the type of group who can go from, you know, 20 wins to 28 wins to 38 to, you know, whatever, pretty right, quickly yeah. down that path, you should be able to kind of jump up into the playoffs. So I think that should be their their goal again. And I think whether they get another great player in free agency or whether it's this group with some minor changes on the, on the margins – that should still be that. That's totally feasible for them, and it it should definitely be their goal. And I think the pressure's on. It's it's a little bit like let me put it this way. That was technically their goal this year. It should be their goal, right. but in a real concrete way next year. Like it should actually be something that they measure themselves by, rather than an aspirational thing, which is what it yeah. was this year. So I think they have the tools to do it.
0: Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's all I got. Do you have any other Suns topics you want to hit on super fast?
1: No. That's a that's a good that's a good intro. I mean, I'm excited to watch him play. I'm excited. We'll have yeah. a, a bunch more thoughts once we can actually kind of see what's up here. But um, hopefully, it's not too weird. Hopefully, hopefully, it's just basketball yeah. as usual to a certain extent, and we can just kind of enjoy ourselves again.
0: Right. So, uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to us on YouTube at St Two. Um, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. So thank you for listening, and that's ST Squared.